Uh, the reading is taken from Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 25. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralysed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Great, thanks very much, Anna. Uh, As we turn to God's word now, let's uh, pray together for his help. Father God, we pray uh, this morning, Lord, that as we now turn to Matthew's gospel, your word, you would speak to our hearts. Father, we pray that your word would encourage us, uh, would challenge us where we need to be challenged. Uh, We pray, Lord, that as we read, we would see uh, and have great joy in knowing Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Follow me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, follow me on TikTok, follow me on Snapchat, if you know what that is. I think it's fair to say we live in a follow culture, don't we? I mean, it's very easy just with a click of a a mouse or a click of your thumb, a press of your thumb to follow anyone you want to from Worcester Park to the Western Sahara. We can follow anyone we want to uh, and whatever we like. The great thing about following someone on social media is it doesn't really cost us anything, does it? There's no real commitment when I press that button. I can see the updates I want, and I can control how much time I spend following people. So I think. Now, throughout history, people have loved to follow others. So regardless of whether on social media... We follow writers, we follow politicians, we follow musicians, we follow celebrities... And that is very much our culture. But I wonder, if you follow people, have you ever stopped to think, why do I follow that person? Why do I get those updates? Well, in today's passage, we encounter two types of people who follow after Jesus. Look down at verse 18. We find Jesus walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee, near Capernaum, where he's now living, And as he walks along the shores, he sees two brothers, Simon Peter, Peter means rock, and Andrew. And these two brothers are fishing by the side of the lake, throwing their net, casting their net into the sea. And Jesus looks at them and says, come follow me. Well, initially, sounds very light and easy, doesn't it? Come follow me, let's go for a stroll into the sunset. Well, actually, what Jesus is saying here is a command which translates as, here now, after me. Now that's a a funny way of saying things, isn't it? Almost like, oi, here now, after me. Or, come and work with me. But the point is, God had chosen these men, 
these fishermen by the side of that lake that day to fulfill a role that God had planned before they were even born. So the command comes in light of God's plan through Jesus that God is now gathering his people together. Simon, Peter and Andrew are to be Jesus' first disciples. And it's amazing that Jesus always shows initiative and actively calls people to himself, which is very different from living in the first century AD. In those days, the rabbis were the teachers, they were the lecturers, they were the celebrities. If people wanted to follow the rabbis, they would have to apply, a bit like a university application form, a UCAS form, you'd have to apply to that rabbi to prove that you could be a good student, a good trainee. But Jesus is not like other teachers. Some of you will know that uh, recently I signed up to LinkedIn uh, on the internet, which claims to be the world's largest professional network. You go on LinkedIn, so I, so I hear, to find a new job or an internship or an apprenticeship. In order to get that job, you've got to upload your CV, you've got to say what your qualifications are, you've got to upload a photograph, you've got to make an impact statement, this is who I am, and then you've got to wait for people to contact you, invite you for an interview, invite you for tests, and then you wait to see if you've got that job. But what we see in Jesus is he is not a typical recruiter. Jesus is completely unique. Jesus is the one who seeks out his followers, his disciples, and his trainees. With Jesus, you can forget about the CVs and the long interviews. Jesus already knows everything, past, present, and future, about everyone. And Jesus says, just come as you are and come now. Jesus wasn't concerned about their fishing skills or their business. And he, in fact, he plays on words here, doesn't he, by saying, I will send you out to fish for people. In other words, Jesus is saying to these men, you are going to fish in the depths of darkness to rescue people's souls, and you're going to use God's net of redemption to bring them back to him. You're no longer going to catch fish, but instead, to echo Jeremiah 16, 16, which says this, but now, I will send for fish, but now I will send for many fishermen, declares the Lord, and they will catch them. In Jeremiah 16, 16, God is talking about sending out people to capture sinners who are rebelling against him and to bring them back to himself. So Jesus actually turns this round and God is calling, and now says God is calling people to himself, but not for punishment, but for forgiveness, for reconciliation, for compassion, because God loves people. The disciples are to take the message of the good news of Jesus, the gospel, to all nations on earth and gather in the elect, God's sons and daughters from all over the world and the region to know God. So what we see as Jesus is walking along the lake that day, and you can see on the map behind me, I've put Capernaum on the, the map, which is in the northern shore, of the Lake of Galilee. As Jesus is walking along, this is not a coincidence. Jesus didn't think, I'll just go out for a stroll and see who I can meet. He is fulfilling prophecy. He is fulfilling God's promises. So how did the disciples respond to this? Well, we look at verse 20. It says, immediately the men left their nets and followed Jesus. In that moment, they had to make a head and a heart decision. They weren't robots. They weren't programmed 
they decided to immediately follow Jesus. And, they, and it says there, they left everything to follow Jesus. Look at verse 21. Jesus went along and saw James and John, the sons of Zebedee, in their boat, mending their nets. And he said again, here, after me. And look what it says. Immediately, they left their boat and they left their father to follow Jesus. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I wonder what made them do that so quickly. If I walked uh, along the River Thames in Kingston this afternoon and I said to some people, follow me, I'd probably get a few odd looks, wouldn't I? And yet these people left everything immediately and followed Jesus. But actually, we find out in John's Gospel that it wasn't the first time that they'd seen Jesus. Simon, Peter and Andrew had actually been John's disciples first, John the Baptist's disciples first. And in John 1, 35 to 36, it says, when John the Baptist saw Jesus passing by, he said to two of his disciples, Simon, Peter and Andrew, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So Simon, Peter and Andrew had heard John's testimony. They had seen Jesus before. And together with James and John, All of them would have heard of Jesus' birth and baptism. These amazing events that had been going on. The coming Messiah, the long-awaited saviour, had arrived. Come and meet him. But let's remember that these guys were ordinary men. They were doing ordinary jobs. And Jesus called them to be his disciples. His fellow workers, his trainees, his apprentices. In other parts of the gospel, these men say to Jesus, we are unworthy sinners. And yet, they didn't know the future, and they were still willing to put their trust and their faith in Jesus when he called them. And several thousand years later, in 2022 in Worcester Park, Jesus is still calling people to come to God, isn't he? He still calls us to put our faith and our trust in him each day. As we heard from Eric's testimony this morning, Jesus is still calling people. Jesus is still active in people's lives. And the Bible is clear. Coming to Jesus and responding to his call is actually the most important thing we can do with our lives. Following Jesus means a change in our lives. A radical change. Now let's be clear, when Jesus calls us to follow him, he does not mean that everyone should abandon all their responsibilities to family, all their responsibilities to friends, all their responsibilities to work and the communities that we live in. He's not calling us to follow him, run off and leave everything, abandon all our responsibilities. Look at verse 21. When Jesus called James and John and they left everything to follow Jesus, even their own father, But it also says there that they left hired men to carry on to help with the family fishing business. Jesus is not calling us to abandon responsibilities. But following Jesus does mean that we are called to immediately quit. uh, We are called to immediately put aside anything that is mentally stopping us from listening to him. Following Jesus also does not mean that we are called to quit our jobs and go into full-time ministry. We're not all called to do that, and Sam said that last week. For some people, yes, that is true, but not for all people. Some are called to support ministry financially. 
And we have all been given gifts to serve God in whatever situation we're in. That could be in work with your colleagues. That could be at home with children or parents. It could be amongst friends. It could be with family as that peacemaker or with anyone who does not know Jesus. So I'm just saying, let's be clear, he's not calling us to abandon all our responsibilities. We're called to walk with Jesus in an active relationship, not a passive one, and that's important. In Philippians 1, 21 to 22, the Apostle Paul says this about Jesus. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, that will mean fruitful labour for me. To live is Christ, to die is gain. For a Christian, life is all about Christ. It's all about Jesus. That means in every thought we have, every decision we make, in every activity we're involved in, living for Jesus must be fruitful labour. It's worthwhile and it's eternally significant. But living for Jesus is also costly. We're not to abandon our responsibilities, but we are to change. God starts a change in our lives by his spirit at work. Some of you sitting here this morning will know what a cost it has been to follow Jesus. But sometimes we can easily forget that. And when time gets tough, we can think, really, is Jesus really with us? Is Jesus really going to stay with me in this tough time? Well, these words in Matthew 28, 18 are encouraging. Jesus came to his disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And those words amazing. Jesus says, I am with you always till the very end of the age. This message is pretty clear, isn't it? When Jesus calls, we are to act in obedience. We are to follow after him. We are to act without hesitation, without delay, without excuses. With a full assurance that he is the one who has supreme authority over everything. Every power and authority. And Jesus promises he is always with us. He is the one who will take us home with him to eternity. His spirit is at work amongst his people. Jesus, down by the lake that day, was completely serious. The four men were no longer going to be fishermen. They were no longer going to be in business, owning boats, putting their nets out, getting an income from selling fish. With the call from Jesus comes the command that they were and we are to leave our old lives behind and start a new life with Jesus. Jesus says to everyone, come follow me. But there's a problem with that. Unfortunately today, we often think that we can keep our old lives and just add Jesus into the mix, don't we? Like the people we follow on social media, there's no commitment, I'll follow Jesus when I've got time. Instead of thinking, actually, Jesus calls us now and he calls us immediately and he calls us to leave everything, everything that gets in the way of him, 
we come up with excuses. We need to remember that God is sovereign. He is our creator. He is our provider. He is our heavenly, loving father. Let me give you an illustration about uh, the cost of following Jesus. In the 1940s, there was a German pastor called Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, and he was executed by the Nazis. Uh, During his life, he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship, and uh, this is one of his most famous quotes from his book, which you can see on the board. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. It may be a death like that of the first disciples who had to leave home and work to follow him, or It may be a death to leave the comforts of your life. Either way, we need to put to death our old life and start our new life with Jesus. So following Jesus means dying to ourselves. The things that we want, our selfish desires, our sinful souls. We are to put to death these things and to follow Jesus. Let me give you another example. There's an ex-bouncer and an ex club doorman called Ian McDowell and he's formed an organisation called Tough Talk which is a prison ministry. Now he grew up with a daily life of fighting, of violence, of drug abuse and he tells a story in his testimony of driving home after a particularly violent incident outside a nightclub and being covered in blood and as he drove away from this uh, club, this incident, he felt proud of himself. He thought, job done, I've done what I am paid to do. But as he was driving down the road, he suddenly started to feel really, really guilty. A guilt that he'd never felt before. And he felt conviction, a deep sadness in his soul. And he says he pulled the car over to the side of the road and said, why am I like this? What am I living for? Jesus, if you are real, can you forgive someone like me? Could you really change me? Well, in that moment... God cracked open his heart and poured his love into his heart. And Ian, who'd never had these feelings before in his life, said that God surrounded and embraced him with his love. In that moment, he felt God's forgiveness and his life was changed forever. Ian now spends his time travelling around the country, to the prisons, to the hard-reached areas, and even across the world, telling people about Jesus. And Ian says this, If God can change and restore me, He can do it to anyone. It's an amazing story. And there are many stories like that we often hear as Christians. But also it's true that God doesn't always come into our lives in that moment like that, in that way. But when he calls, however he calls, the point is we need to listen to his voice and we need to respond. Now, in verse 23, as we look down, Jesus moves away from this lakeside and his public ministry gets underway in the surrounding regions. I wonder if, brilliant, thank you, Mary, put the map back on. Uh, Jesus then establishes his ministry and it's a pattern of preaching, teaching and healing. Now, Galilee, the yellow area, was a region approximately 120 kilometres by 70 kilometres And uh, theologians think there are about 204 villages in that region alone. That's just under 3 million people. Now, if Jesus was to visit two to three villages a day, it would take him three months to visit all those villages if he worked seven days a week. Walking, travelling, teaching, preaching and healing. That's a lot of work, isn't it? 
But wherever Jesus went, this passage tells us that crowds from the Decapolis, which means the ten cities, the Roman province of Syria, the regions of Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, the region across the Jordan, all flocked to see Jesus. And again, we see Old Testament prophecy being fulfilled here. The exiles from all the nations will come and gather around God, will come back to God. Well, why did all these people come to Jesus? Well, the passage tells us it was a healing festival. Jesus performed healings, miracles. uh, And what's amazing about this passage is Jesus healed everyone who came to him. Everyone who came to him. You didn't need special qualifications to come to Jesus. You didn't need to be a certain social status. Jesus heals everyone. And by his actions, he's demonstrating what God's future kingdom is like. Jesus has come to proclaim God's kingdom. And he's saying that those who are struggling, those in pain, those who are suffering, one day all this will come to an end. And Jesus is the Lord of all. He has the power to heal every infirmity. In fact, in this passage, we see Jesus, uh, Matthew, talk about all the different types of illnesses, don't we? And so he's trying to show us that Jesus uh, has the power to heal every sickness affecting mind, body, and spirit. Just a few of those examples there. He's able to heal people with chronic pain. Those suffering from epilepsy. Those suffering from paralysis and those suffering from spiritual sickness, our souls and our hearts. And really interesting there, Matthew separates out, Jesus also has the power to heal the demon-possessed. Now we don't really talk about people being demon-possessed nowadays, but it would be hard to argue from the Bible that it doesn't happen today. Demon possession is unique when an evil spirit takes over someone's body and starts talking for that person. But what is that to Jesus? Well, Jesus has the power to take on the demons. Jesus has the power to take on the sickness. Nothing stops Jesus. In Revelation 12, 4, Jesus points to his future kingdom by saying these words. Sorry, it says these words. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. The old order of things, the sickness, the disease, the death, has been taken away and a new order has come in. Now I want us to think this morning, as we think about this passage, what is our own status before God this morning? Are we, like the disciples, making Jesus the priority in our lives? Well, maybe have a think for, the mo- for a moment. What is the one thing that's stopping you from making Jesus a priority in your life? What are the things that are stopping us from living for Jesus every day in 2022 in Worcester Park and our surrounding communities? There are a few things I thought may be stopping you. Is it a fear of the unknown and loss of control over your life? Is it the comfort and security that you have in your own finances, your career, the skills and gifts you have? Is it the fear of rejection from friends and family? Maybe it's your fear of feeling that you will have to face feelings you don't want to, things that might overwhelm you. Maybe it's even an unrepentant sin that you don't want to give up 
or you think you can't give up, or you think you can't talk to Jesus about? Well, let me reassure you this morning that it's normal to be scared. It is normal to be afraid. But the amazing thing about God is he knows our fears and failures. He knows our weaknesses and struggles. He knows you and I better than we know ourselves. That is the God we have. And he still says, despite all our fears and failures, come to me. We have a God who literally reaches out to us, takes us by the hand and welcomes us in. And God has demonstrated how much he loves us by sending Jesus to the cross in our place. What an amazing God we have. I wanted to uh, have an illustration behind me. I couldn't find it, but sometimes we feel like we're on our own as Christians. We're distant, we're on our own. Where is God in this situation we're in? And I had an image in my mind. I couldn't find it, but when I read through the Gospels, I just have this overwhelming sense that God is always with us. If we could only see behind us into the spiritual world of what God is like, we would know that he completely surrounds us with his love. He is completely with us at all times. I find that very encouraging. So let's remember, as we look at this passage, the disciples didn't have a degree in theology. We don't need one either. They didn't use a secret language full of key Christian words when they met with each other. We don't need to either. We are called to simply follow Jesus, to trust in Jesus, as these disciples did by the lake that day. He calls us to follow him, not as the crowds do, hoping to see a miracle or miraculous sign and then just walk away. But he calls us to follow him as our Lord and our Saviour, to become one of his disciples. And he gives us that privilege to become one of his disciples and to live our lives for his glory alone. The great reward of following Jesus is a life of inner joy that never ends. Leading to an eternity in the presence of the one who saved us. And the Bible says that one day we will see him face to face. Jesus gave a glimpse of that life to the crowds that saw him heal every disease and infirmity and remove every evil. So I want to end by saying, let's listen to his call, respond to him with our lives in faith, and let's ask him for help. Let's speak to him as we strive to make him a priority in our lives. Let's do that. Let's pray. Let's just have a moment of quiet as we think about things that may be stopping us from making Jesus a priority in our lives. Father God, we thank you so much for this passage. These short verses, Lord, speak to us in volumes of who Jesus is. Thank you that Jesus came to show us what you are like. Thank you that Jesus forgives us. We have forgiveness through Jesus, through his death on the cross, dying in our place for us so that we could know you. Father, we're sorry from the depths of our heart for the things that we put in the way of making Jesus a priority. 
Father, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you call us. Please help us as we uh, strive to live for you each day. Please help us to encourage each other. In Jesus' name, amen.